Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Luke chapter 14 is where we're at in a message entitled, Turning Up the Heat. And so now he gives us an illustration, and of course, again, this would make more sense to those who are in an honor and shame culture, but I think we can kind of get the gist of it in verse 28 when he says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I, I think we've all seen especially if you lived through 2008, you know, and that crash and what we're about to see coming soon to a theater near you, a lot of unfinished houses and buildings, right? I mean, there's no money to, you know, nobody's going to buy it. Who can afford anything at 8.75% interest rate, right? And so there's, there's some reality to this and we see it. And, and, and probably what we see when we see that, like, oh man, what a shame. I wish they'd finished that house. But we don't really say, who does that belong to? Who paid, you know, we probably don't do that. And we probably feel bad for the poor, you know, chum who, you know, put all that money into it. And now he's losing out because he can't afford the construction materials or nobody wants to buy it because interest rates are too high. Yeah, and so we don't think of it the way that they do. But notice he says that if someone were to do that in his culture, they would be mocked. Like their name would be laughed at by everybody and everybody would look at that guy and what a loser. You, know, you would be completely dishonored in their culture if you were to do that. And so in their culture, if you're gonna build a tower, you make sure you have everything in line and enough money to complete it before you even start. Because if you don't, it's gonna be your reputation. You're gonna be, be trash. Your name is gonna be trash everywhere. And so Jesus is saying you have to be willing to be all in. You have to be willing to be all in. Otherwise, what good are you? Right? And, and we think about that in, in the Christian life. How many people have you known who made a profession of faith, who seem to be out of the gate like, oh, I'm all about Jesus. They call their family and tell their family they're Christians. And then a few months later, a few years later, they've completely walked away. They, had, they want nothing to do with Jesus. And you know, we probably know people that have gone through this. And what, what a sad thing, because they didn't consider the cost. Because when their family came to them and says, we hate you for being a Christian. Or, or when, you know, things got tight and they, you know, they needed a cheat to get ahead and they just kind of say, well, I can't live like this. And they just, they just discard Jesus. The cares of this life choke them out, you know, the thorns. We read in the parable of the soils or, or the, the, the sprang up quick, but there was no foundation. And so this is why Jesus would call us to consider the cost because he doesn't want anybody being a half-hearted disciple, you know, a fair-weather disciple, right? I have boys that are like this, you know, when it comes to who they're going to root for, for, you know, football teams. I have been a diehard Seahawks fan since I was probably eight years old. And you know why? 
because when I was eight years old, I went to my mom and I said, hey, what's our team? Because all my friends had teams, right? I said, what's our team? She says, well, Seattle's close. I guess it's Seattle. Okay. And that was it. And now I'm sold out through all those bad years, you know, and then finally a Super Bowl win. And now they're kind of something. Most of the time, nothing. But hey, I'm with them. My boys changed football teams like they changed their underwear sometimes. There's no loyalty. But here's the thing. We cannot be that way with Jesus. This isn't about, this isn't about, you know, who we're going to root for. This is about life and death. Is it not? And to follow Jesus with all of my heart, we have to be all in. How sad it is when somebody turns from Jesus. And I don't care who you are or what your theology is. You know, there's some would say, oh, he walked away from Jesus. He denied Jesus. He was never saved in the first place, right? Some in some camp would say that. And then there's another camp would say, well, he lost his salvation. It doesn't matter. Both camps believe that that person is not saved, right? And so what what a disgrace it is to put your hand to the plow and then turn back to say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but then say, no, I can't do that anymore. You know, what an awful place to be. He gives another illustration, verse 31, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Now, it's very possible that Jesus is being redundant and he's using a different illustration to make the same point. That's possible. Do you have enough to finish the tower? And do you have a powerful enough army to take on one twice the size of your army? And, and in that case, am I up for the challenge? And that certainly could be what Jesus is challenging the multitudes for. But 32 makes that a bit difficult. If you look at verse 32, he says, or else, well, the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks condition, ask conditions of peace. I think what my view on this is that Jesus is changing this up a bit on us. I don't think that the illustration is the same as the tower illustration. I think it's actually the opposite of the tower illustration. And, and here's why. Here I am with all of my resources, all my plans for my life, and where I think I'm going to go, and what I think would be a good system to follow to make myself able to go to heaven if I go that route in my life. You know, am I going to do a, a, a religion that, you know, I can some, somehow through that religion become worthy and, you know, gain celestial glory? Am I going to join a religion to where if I do enough works or do enough things, then somehow God's going to owe me something at the end? Is that the way that God works? Am I powerful enough to overcome what God is requiring? Or am I not powerful enough? And I don't know about you, but I know that in me, just like Paul says, in me no good thing dwells, that is in my flesh. And if I'm going to try on my own, I am going to fail. And so, <laughs> when it comes to what Jesus has done for me, and it comes to the life that I'm living, which, you know, life I'm living outside of Christ is painful and selfish and messed up, with fleeting moments of pleasure that ultimately don't satisfy in any way, and follow my way that leads to destruction, and I'm headed for hell, and that's all I have, then I have to consider what Jesus is offering. And he's offering me an exchange, an exchange for my life that I've messed up, that no doubt has moments of, of pleasure and moments of 
excitement and anticipations. In fact, that's the greatest part of my life outside of Christ is just anticipating something, isn't it? It, how wonderful it's going to be if I just have that, if I just had her, if I just did that, if I just, it's so wonderful. And then you get it and it's like, oh, that wasn't as great as I thought it was. Well, the next thing. And that's all we do is go from one anticipation to the next in disappointment after disappointment after disappointment until we find ourselves completely wrecked. And I can exchange that instead for a meaningful, satisfied, fulfilling life with trials and persecutions that leads to eternal life with fullness of joy in the presence of God because of what Jesus did as he died upon the cross for my sins. So your mission, should you accept it, is this. Total surrender. To say, I'm going to do it my way. I think I can make it. I think I can do it. I think I'm good enough and I'm bright enough and gosh darn it, people like me. We can do that. Or we can say, I'm not good enough. I'm not bright enough. I am broken and I'm hurt and I can't make it on my own and I need someone to save me and cry out to Jesus for salvation to call for terms of surrender. Okay, Jesus, I can't do this. I remember that moment in my life, the total surrender. I remember, you know, there at my bed, as I hear the gospel on the radio, I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, if that's true, if you died for my sins, that's what I want. And then I realized, you know, I can't have some weak religion that's going to depend upon me to do all kinds of, you know, great things or, or change everything about myself so that I can somehow earn heaven. I can't have a religion like that because I'm too weak. And so in my mind, the only solution was surrender. And so I said, okay, God, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want. But then I realized that wasn't far enough. And so then I said... But even if I don't want it, you have my permission to force it on me. And there, as an 18-year-old kid on my knees next to my bed, I completely surrendered to Jesus. That doesn't mean I haven't had a few wrestling matches with God here and there along the way. No, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Okay, fine. I'll do it. You know, you can get really uncomfortable. You know, end up walking with a bad hip, you know, in those wrestling matches. But, but his way is always better. And I have, to, I have to consider that in my life, whether life or death, whether persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, no matter what comes, what Jesus has for me is far better than what I could ever gain for myself. There is nothing that I could do to match what he's already offered me. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, Call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.